You're listening to the Telltale Channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check out my Patreon. And take a look at my other YouTube channels too. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything I release. All links are in the description. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Pastor Stephen Strang's deep-seated issues with drag queens. Oh boy, does he have a problem with them. But he isn't the first to attack the drag queen community, and he certainly isn't the last. It gets wild. Evangelical TikTok and the problem they seem to have with atheists. It's actually kind of comical at this point. The death of a prominent QAnon leader, the leader of the negative 48 QAnon denomination. They don't really know what to do with themselves now. Let's talk about it. God raised up Donald Trump, and I really believe that he did. But, you know, we also, this battle is bigger than just this election. Yes, it is. And we need to pray that God will raise up other people, and undoubtedly he has. God has. So this is uh, Stephen Strang, if you're unfamiliar. He's talking to Kenneth Copeland here, and Kenneth Copeland is about to say some absolutely psychotic stuff. So just stick around for a second, listen to the rest of this clip. You will not be disappointed, trust me. Undoubtedly, he has. God has a plan that's way beyond this election. And I, well, I love... Excuse me, Stephen. So basically what Stephen Strang is saying here is we need to look beyond Trump. Yes, Trump is like the head of the party at this moment. Again, this clip came out uh, late October 2020. So this is right before the 2020 election voting actually commenced. And he says... Yes, I like Trump, but we need to look beyond Trump, too, because Trump is, in, you know, he's going to be in his 80s soon. And we have to come up with a plan to keep things going. Right. And then Kenneth Copeland busts out this little ditty right here. I, I well, love Excuse me, Stephen. But now, now look what the devil did. He raised up people. You would never dream that a Muslim would ever be elected in the House of Representatives of the United States. Okay, first go around, I actually thought he, he was talking about you'd never dream of a Muslim being elected president. And I was thinking, oh my God, is this like one of those Obama is a Muslim conspiracies? No, he's probably talking about Ilhan Omar, who is actually a Muslim in all fairness. Uh, why wouldn't you think that? Why would you never dream that that would happen? This is America, baby. The land of opportunity and freedom. Remember all that freedom stuff you talk about constantly? Why would you think that's unusual for somebody to come from another place and build themselves into something great? Pursue the American dream. That's what it's about, right? Kenneth Copeland doesn't seem to care about that. You know what he cares about? Muslims being in the House of Representatives. Dream that a Muslim would ever be elected in the House of Representatives of the United States. Like this guy, the only thing knocking around in there is racism. That's it. There's nothing else. Why would you care if a Muslim is elected to the House of Representatives? First of all, she's not even the majority, not even close. She's the only one, to my knowledge. Maybe one other, maybe. And second, she's not even an extremist. She's moderate. So who cares? She understands the difference between religion and government and has a vested interest. Ilhan Omar is who I'm talking about right now, has a vested interest in keeping them separate. Maybe that's the problem, really. He doesn't want to keep religion and government separate. He just wants Christianity to take over is all. So anyways, that guy, Stephen Strang, who was talking to Kenneth Copeland just now, 
he's got his own show, The Straying Report, and oh boy, does it get unhinged. I wanted to talk about a little bit of what he's been up to lately. Check this clip out. This is with, what's the guy's name? It's a John Amanchukwu? Amanchukwu, I believe? Yeah, John Amanchukwu is the guy's name on the right here, and I don't know if you guys remember hearing about this, but like a while back, there was like a group of domestic terrorists, effectively, who were going from school board to school board, didn't live in the area, didn't live in the district, nothing. They were just domestic terrorists that were going to different school boards around the country, and they were showing up and threatening the school board members waiting outside their cars after dark and, you know, leaving threatening messages on them and stuff like that and and, and just being general terrorists. You know, that's what a terrorist does. They terrorize people. They use terror to get what they want. That's, That's actually what this guy is a part of. That's what he does. He's part of that group that goes around to different school boards and acts like a terrorist and terrorizes innocent people. If they refuse to remove a book from a classroom, if they refuse to ban certain books, or if they allow certain books, or if they whatever, if they don't change the curriculum to include God in some way, they will terrorize them. So this guy, John Amanchukwu, is his name, John Amanchukwu, that's what he did. Now, forever ago, when this was originally really first taking off, When this movement started, Merrick Garland basically put out a letter from the Department of Justice saying that he was going to try anybody who threatens school board members with domestic terrorism, basically, if they don't knock it off. Effectively, it was a little bit more complicated than that. I don't really remember exactly what the letter said, but that was basically it. The goal was to stop that this group from going from district to district, threatening school board members. And it and it worked. It stopped them from threatening them like that, overtly. Now they do it covertly. They do it in a more veiled way. But anyway, he's one of the members of that group that was doing that stuff. Let's listen to Stephen Strang talk to John Amanchukwu about the problems in the country. I'm sure they have a lot to say to each other. We are seeing those who support special interest push their agenda upon children it's okay those who support we're seeing those who support special interests you got to really read into what the hell he's talking about here we're seeing those who support special interests which i assume what he means when he says special interest is the lgbt community we're seeing those who support the lgbt community push their agenda on children upon children it's indoctrination you know And I use that term often. I oftentimes call it grooming as well. But a more appropriate term for what's taking place, Stephen, is that it's mental rape. No. No to all of that. Literally, no to all of that. Supporting the LGBT community and expressing your support around somebody who's, say, 15 years old is not grooming and it's not what he said. It's not mental rape, as he said. Absurd. You know, I think Christopher Hitchens put it the most succinctly when he said, being gay isn't a form of sex, it's a form of love. He had a debate with his friend Stephen Fry years and years ago before he had cancer and 
everything. Of course, Hitchens died of cancer not too long ago. Anyway, uh, he had a debate with some Catholic people who had a problem with homosexuality. And Stephen Fry is, of course, gay. And Christopher Hitchens properly said, homosexuality is not a, a form of sex, it's a form of love. And I would trust my friend Stephen to watch my children over anybody on the other side of the table. And if a priest showed up to watch my child, I'd first call a cab and then the police. If I can find that clip, I'll insert it. Christopher Hitchens defends Stephen Fry. This may be the clip. Fourth, for condemning my friend Stephen, Stephen Fry for his nature. For saying, for saying you couldn't be a member of our church. You're born in sin. There's a revolting piece of casuistry that's sometimes offered on this point. Yeah, we hate the sin only. We, we love the sinner. He's not being condemned for what he does. He's being condemned for what he is. You're a child. I'm sorry. There, there's some harsh language in here, but it's in context, and I feel it's important in the, you know, it's important in the context, so content warning if you're sensitive to this. We love the sinner. He's not being condemned for what he does. He's being condemned for what he is. You're a child made in the image of God. Oh, no, you're not. You're a faggot. And you can't join your church and you can't go to heaven. This is disgraceful. It's inhuman. It's obscene. And it comes from a clutch of hysterical, sinister virgins who've already betrayed their charge in the children of their own church. So he says cynical virgins because priests, Catholic priests, are, are not allowed to have wives or sleep with anybody. They, they must be virgins. All the way up. The Pope is a virgin. You know that? He's never slept with anybody in his entire life. Dude is, what, 80-something, 90-something? And he's never slept with anybody before. You know, every community has this problem with child mistreatment. Every community, okay? Jehovah's Witnesses have a problem with it, a bad one. Catholics have a problem with it. Hell, you know what? The atheist community, for what community there is, also has a problem with this stuff but it's the jehovah's witnesses and the catholics and the mormons and the everybody else every religious organization out there that's covering it up they don't want anybody to know they have the problem they want everyone to think everything is jolly it's peachy keen they're just keeping everything quiet nothing wrong here nothing to see here because if they reveal if they show that there is really this problem in their organization. It means maybe they're not God's organization because they have the same problems as everybody else. It's the cover-up that's the problem, not the fact that this happens. It happens in every community. Don't cover it up. Fix it. Anyway, that's not exactly the clip I was looking for. This is the debate. Atheist Hitchens, Fry versus Catholics, Whittacombe, Archbishop, Intelligence Squared debate. It's near the end, and it's near that spot. And it's basically where he says, I would trust my friend Stephen to watch my children without question before I would allow anybody else on the stage to watch my children. Hands these things and punishes them and writes them into the criminal code. If all you were doing, sir, ma'am, were offering advice, we could probably be fine with it. No one, though they were asked repeatedly, would say whether they thought Stephen Fry, my friend, was in a state of mortal sin or not they would Stephen Fry is gay and he's his uh his co-debate partner on this stage or whatever of course homosexuality is condemned heavily by the catholic church certainly back then and it is now too wouldn't tell you something about the question 
brought out their inner coward. Well, I say that homosexuality is not just a form of sex, it's a form of love, and it deserves our respect for that reason. That if, if That's an important point. It's a form of love. Eight-year-old kids can realize that they're gay, and it has, there's nothing sexual about it. It's just them realizing that they have a, an emotional attraction to the same gender. That's it. When, I, when my children were young, I'd have been proud to have Stephen as their babysitter, and I told them they were lucky. And if anyone came to my door as a babysitter wearing holy orders, I'd call first a cab and then the police. <laughs> as well you should, Hitchens. Yes, absolutely. This guy, man, I miss Christopher Hitchens. Like I said, he died of cancer forever ago. Point is, talking about being gay around kids, th there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing. Okay, now exposing children to any kind of material of a sexual nature has a, a logarithmically detrimental effect. It scars children. It's bad for children, very bad for them to be exposed to anything of that nature up to a certain point. It's on a logarithmic scale, so it, it's at its peak, and at 15 years old, it, it starts to get safe. 16, 17, 18, you know, you get picture flashed up on screen or you get into a conversation about this thing or that, it becomes less detrimental to the person as they get older and older and older. That's why we protect kids, because it can mentally and emotionally scar them if they're exposed to this stuff. But being gay is not about sex at all. It's a form of love, plain and simple. And guess what? Your eight-year-old may realize he's gay already. I knew I was straight when I was eight years old. It's not that uncommon for kids to realize that they are gay real early on. So like I said, it, it's scarring if you expose them to things of a sexual nature at a certain age on a, uh, on a logarithmic scale, which means it gets less harmful as they get older, right? But if this gay kid wants to read a book about somebody else who was gay, if he wants to expose himself to this information and learn about his life and, uh, and the feelings that he's having and all of that stuff, it's not harmful. It's perfectly fine, actually. It doesn't hurt them at all. In fact, it's helpful. It's good. It's good for kids to understand what they're looking at, what they're up against, what their feelings mean, stuff like that. It's good for them. And those books should be available to those kids should they want them. Should it be taught in a classroom? Absolutely not. No, don't teach those books in a classroom. Don't pull out a book with any kind of graphic material of any sort, whatever. No, absolutely not. Of course not. But should a teen, say a 13, 14, 15-year-old kid, say middle school and high school, be allowed access to a book about a person who was gay and who had to live his life with that knowledge and that experience? Of course they should. Are you kidding me? Yes, of course they should have access to that. Apparently that's grooming to simply say kids should have access to books that relate to their own personal experiences. And so we are in And it's also kind of normalizing this. You know, it used to have the books in the library, not in the classroom. I don't want these books in the classroom to be taught as teaching material, just like I don't want the Bible taught as teaching material but I want it available to children 
who feel it's necessary, who want to learn about who they are and understand what they're up against in their experiences and the experiences of others. Should be in the libraries at the very least. But that's really what it boils down to, isn't it? What Stephen Strang just said. He said the quiet part out loud there, didn't he? It's normalizing it. It's making it acceptable for people to be gay. And we don't want that, of course. We don't want people to feel that being gay is an okay thing, that they're allowed to be. You have to stay in the closet or else. That's what is on the forefront of this guy's mind. Also kind of normalizing this. You know, it used to be considered shameful. In fact, in our language, we called it being in the closet. So if people were like this, they hid it in the closet. I guess that's where the term came from. That's where the term came from. Yeah, I mean, they they did hide it. Yeah, that's 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 true. But coming out of the closet, guess what? It makes it easier for the next person to come out of the closet. When you come out, the next guy has an easier time. Because you know what? Uncle Freddy used to be homophobic. He's still pretty homophobic. He finds out his favorite little nephew is gay and maybe makes him rethink his position. Maybe makes him rethink how he feels about the whole thing. Maybe makes him rethink his hatred of the LGBT community. And next, uh, and the next nephew to come out as gay, say little Jeremy, comes out as gay, Uncle Freddy isn't as vicious and vile about it moving forward because he starts to realize that it's normal, that this, is ju- this just happens. That's what it is. Every time someone comes out of the closet, it makes it a little easier for the next guy. Every time you find a book in, the, in a library about it, it makes it a little bit easier for somebody to cope with what they're dealing with. But they can't have that. They can't deal with that. They don't want people to be able to cope with it. They don't want people to have an easier time coming out. They want to make it a miserable experience if they can. That's what these people are all about, honestly. And that's not the first foray this guy has had into the LGBT community. You know, this guy is obsessed with culture war issues. He talks about drag queens in this video and wouldn't you know it loses his mind thinks drag queens are like the end of civilization or something. Check this out. Late July 2023. The point I'm making is they talked about how crazy it was and we were conspiracy theories. Okay. I mean, yeah, the right was full of conspiracy theorists. Yes. Okay. Let's just get same sex marriage. Everybody will be calm. Okay, now it's drag queens in kindergartens. Uh, what? Okay, first of all, what kindergartens have invited drag queens to speak there? Can you name a single one? Has this literally ever happened in the history of ever? And also, drag queens have nothing to do with being gay or trans or any of that. It's just theater. It's like somebody dressing up as a clown and going and reading a book to children. Or dressing up as a mummy or like a witch or whatever. It's just people having fun. Dressing up and reading to kids. I mean, this is a form of entertainment that's existed for, hell, who knows, you know, millennia. It's existed for, since forever. But, the, you know, this, this guy can't handle the idea that somebody is dressing up and reading to children, apparently. It's not happening in kindergartens, but... I'll admit that it happens in libraries from time to time, which, by the way, is a voluntary setting. Parents have the voluntary option of bringing their kids there if they so choose. That's called freedom, by the way. Don't know if you know that word or not. 
drag queens in kindergartens. That is vile. You know, even if that were true, I don't think that would be vile. It's just people dressing up and, uh, you know, entertaining kids. That's it. The fact that he views people dressing up and reading to kids as vile is truly sad, honestly. That is vile. It is just absolutely vile. You know, they would not let someone dress up in a Nazi uniform and go in and read stories to children. Oh boy, this went from zero to 100 in less than three seconds. So I guess drag queens are Nazis, basically. It's pretty much the same thing, right? Basically, I mean, give or take, roughly the same. Yeah, Nazis, drag queens, they're the same. Okay, go on. Let him cook, let him cook. Maybe he's got more to say. They would never let somebody wear a white robe and go in and read stories to children. Uh, why not? Why, why would... Who is they, by the way? Are they in the room with us right now, Stephen? Who are you talking about? And second, what does a white robe have to do with anything? What the hell are you talking about right now? Why would anybody have a problem with somebody wearing a white robe and reading to children at a library? Not a kindergarten, a library. I wouldn't care. Go ahead. Now, I wouldn't be okay with the Nazis reading to children because that's a hateful message and a violent message, and I don't believe in violence or hatred. I think that those are antithetical to a healthy society. You cannot have both a healthy society and a strong Nazi presence, so I would not be okay with Nazis reading to children. You know, there's something called the uh, paradox of tolerance. I'm sure a lot of people probably heard of it. If you haven't, just in case... Uh, let me just kind of give you a, a brief overview. Paradox of tolerance is the idea that if you want a tolerant society, you have to not tolerate intolerance, right? You have to be intolerant of people who hate others, right? If you want a society that is accepting, that that loves, that is peaceful, that doesn't hate anybody for anything, you can't tolerate the people who hate everybody around them, who hate the gay community, who hate the black community or the Hispanic community or whatever. You can't tolerate those people. That's part of the deal. It's called a paradox, but in reality, if you look at it as more of a social contract that you sign on to, the paradox aspect of it just melts away. I, I ascribe to the social contract of tolerance, right? I want a tolerant society. And anybody else who wants a tolerant society with me is welcome to join. The moment that you talk about intolerance or preach intolerance or encourage intolerance, hatred toward Jews, hatred toward blacks, hatred toward whatever, you haven't, you've shown me you haven't ascribed to that social contract. So you're on the outside of it. And there is no paradox here because I'm not including you in the social contract because you're not including yourself. When you when you view the paradox of, of intolerance as a social contract, the paradox aspect all but melts away. That's the point here. I am intolerant of intolerance. I'm not okay with Nazis talking to kids and giving them books and all this other stuff because they're preaching about hate. And I want a tolerant, loving, happy society that allows people to grow up and be what they want to be and do what they want to do. You know, there's this book called Deathstalker. It's my favorite book series in of all time. And in my opinion, 
I know this is a tall claim, and I'm going to make the claim anyways. Top 10 best book series, best story ever written in humanity. Ever. I mean ever. Shakespeare, anything. It's in the top 10 best stories ever told, in my opinion. Can't just read the first book. You've got to read the second to really get into it. And by book eight, it's over, baby. It's over. You are on the side with me acknowledging that this is the best book series ever written. Or, or damn near it. Mistborn is good, too. Anyways, the point is, with the Deathstalker book, fascinatingly, it was written... It's a sci-fi book, right? And it's written, like, 50,000 years in the future. And these people are, are, like, time travelers, right? They're going through time. I'm not really spoiling too much. They're going through time, and they come across a couple of people, right? They're, they come across Earth, and they find people of all different sizes and stripes and types... They're walking with somebody who considers himself a defender of humanity. That's what he calls himself. And then his partner, somebody else who works to, I don't know, he's basically like the police force or something like that. There are two of them, right? And they're very obviously like one is opposed to the changes in society and one is in favor of the changes or in favor of the freedom for, of people to make those changes if they choose. It's a fascinating dichotomy. I mean, this book was written in the 1990s when being gay was unacceptable. And there are a lot of gay characters in this book that are portrayed very positively, actually. Kind of interesting. Um, it was written by Simon R. Green. Dude's fantastic. I love Simon R. Green to death. But anyway, they're walking down the street with these two people in this book, right? And it's far, far distant future Earth. And the defender of humanity is absolutely disgusted at what they see i think it was a chick disgusted at what she sees people getting tattoos all over their bodies there are now 15 genders i mean i'm dead serious they said this in this book 15 genders and people are like adding they're they're artificially adding breasts and removing breasts and just doing all this stuff to their body piercings everywhere and everything completely mutilating and modifying what they originally had until they're, they're barely human anymore, if they're even human at all. And the other person with her, not the defender of humanity, but the other person, I don't remember what his title was. He's like, I don't know. I mean, people have the right to do what they want, don't they? And when you think about it, this is like an age old battle, isn't it? People have the right to do what they want. That's what this country was founded upon. That's what the United States was all about originally. That's what it's supposed to be about. That's what the founding fathers believed in. People's right to live their life the way they want to live it. As long as you are not interfering with somebody else, you can do whatever you want. You can live life however you want to live it. It's fascinating to look at a book that was written in the 1990s and realize that all the way back then, they were having the same arguments. Honestly, not even the 90s. You know how long they've been having these arguments? They've been having them for hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years even. Conservatism versus progressivism. Should society go back to what it was or should society progress? Do you know that when the comma and the period and other punctuation was invented, the leader at the time, I think it was, um, I don't remember who it was. It was some Caesar of some sort, I think. Anyways, they said, whoever this leader was, they said, somebody should be able to communicate their point without punctuation. If you can't, then you're just a bad orator. You're a bad writer. You're bad at what you do if you can't communicate it without punctuation. They're pissed off because punctuation existed. 
there will always, always be somebody who is unhappy with the fact that we are moving forward as a society and changing and evolving and learning and growing, and they want to go back to the old ways desperately. When the old ways sucked! It was terrible! Why would you want to go back to that? 1950s, really? Before computers existed, before cell phones existed, before anything existed, when people had to live separately? Like, uh, b the black community had to live separately from the white community? Really? That's what you want to go back to? It just, it, it blows me away that people are so dead set on being dumb as dog shit and refusing to see the fact that society is going to move forward. Whether you like the fact that it is moving forward or not, it is moving forward. Now, you can live with it or you can fight against it. You're going to lose if you choose to fight against it. And while you fight against it, you're going to make a lot of people's lives miserable, which is, you know, it's exactly what we see right now. We're watching, it, this is a perfect example, this guy right here trying to shove people back in the closet. Stephen Strang doesn't want them anywhere near public life wants people to be silent about being gay. No gay people in public, apparently. We don't want g books about people being gay. We don't want kids accepting that they're gay. We don't want any of that. And we really think about how depraved that is to be opposed to something like that, seriously. What is wrong with you? They're shameless, they're absolutely shameless. And he's comparing drag queens to Nazis right now, no joke, to Nazis. You know, they would not let someone dress up in a Nazi uniform and go in and read stories to children. They would never let somebody wear a white robe and go in and read stories to children. I don't know what the hell the white robe thing has to do with anything at all. Keep listening to this. It's just absurd, dude, and embarrassing. They wouldn't let somebody dressed up as a Bible character go in. Who is they? Again, are they in the room with us right now, Stephen? Who the hell are you talking about? Wouldn't let somebody dressed up as a Bible character speak to children. I don't know who they is, but this happens all the time. People speak to children and read the Bible all the time. What the hell do you think church is? And if you think it only happens at church, you live in a delusion. Happens in a lot more than just church. It happens at libraries and stuff all the time. And then read Bible stories. They just wouldn't. I don't know who they is, but that happens all the time. I mean, it's lunacy. Yeah, so this guy's very obviously, I mean, that was the end of the clip, but he's very obviously just bigoted and looking for an opportunity to be intolerant of people. Again, I don't, I am the most tolerant person you will ever meet. I will tolerate just about anything, just about, except for intolerance. That's the only thing that I will not tolerate. Oh, and anything that actually harms somebody else, harms children or harms whatever. I won't tolerate that either. So if you can prove to me that drag queens are actually harming children psychologically by reading to them, then I will be on your side. I don't think they should. But you have yet to prove that. You know what you've proven to me? That you're bigoted and hateful and looking for a reason to hurt the gay community that's what he's proven to me I mean, that's steven strang for you man if you've never heard of the guy he's just he he's awful I mean, this is not the first example of republicans going 
way, way over the top with their hatred of the LGBT community or of just plain drag queens. If you don't know this guy, this is Steve Deese. He's on The Blaze, which is Glenn Beck's TV network. Glenn Beck used to be, I believe, the top-rated host on Fox News, just like Bill O'Reilly was, just like Tucker Carlson was and Megyn Kelly. And they, you know, I, I believe he got fired eventually. They tend to fire their top hosts. And uh, then he started his own network, The Blaze, and he hired this guy right here, this fine-looking gentleman right here. I'm try- I, don't ins- I don't like insulting people, so this fine-looking gentleman right here, he hired him as one of the hosts on The Blaze to talk about all of the things that, you know, just, God, just right-wing fever dreams, basically. That's what he talked about, right-wing fever dreams. Listen to what this dude had to say about drag queens. This is from a late September 2022. And it should give you some insight into where the mind of the right is right now about drag queens. Check this dude out. Again, they were drag queens are just compared to Nazis. Can they beat that? Can Steve Deese beat a Nazi comparison? It's, a, it's an uphill battle. Let's see what he comes up with. We all, I think, understand. And if you don't, don't worry. I'm going to keep leaning on you until you get there. We all, I think, by now understand the old model of going to a happy-go-lucky church, watching Fox News all week long in between, and then being the silent majority and voting for the red wave to save us. Okay, the, the silent majority is not actually on the right. They're not actually Republicans. Mark Twain talked about this in his book, The Mysterious Stranger, actually. I don't really have time to get into it, but I have a video on The Mysterious Stranger, too. You should give it a read, or you should give it a listen. It's pretty good on uh, my Owen Morgan Telltale YouTube channel. It's a fantastic book. Is a relic of a bygone era and won't cut it. Just dead silence, okay? He's just staring into the camera. Blinking. It doesn't matter which rhino you decide to vote for for Congress. They're teabagging your kids at the public library down the street with drag queens. Okay. Wow, that took a, a hard right turn. They're doing what to your kids at the library? No. No, Steve. They're not. They're not doing that. They never did that. They never did that, Stephen Strang. That, that didn't happen. Drag queens going to kindergartens, you live in a fantasy land, okay? Come back to reality with the rest of us. Doug Mastriano is another perfect example. This dude was running for governor of Pennsylvania. He lost in 2022, luckily. But he said some absolutely psychotic shit on his way out. Like, he was, this is right before the election took place when he said this. Listen to this one. This is a... Early October 2022, just like a month before the election happened. On day one, the sexualization of our kids, pole dancing, and all this other crap that's going on will be forbidden in our schools. Dude thinks pole dancing is happening in schools? On day one, all the graphic, pornographic books that are in elementary schools will will be pulled out. He thinks that there are those that we have those books in elementary schools. What? 
I, I sit here wondering, do they really believe this? Or are they just completely full of it? It's so hard to know. It's so hard to know if they are just lying through their teeth to get more votes or to get more eyeballs or interest or whatever, or if they really buy it. Mastriano's case, he's just lying. He knows this is nonsense. Steve Deese and uh, what's his name here? Steven Strang. I think they're both true believers, true diehard believers, in my opinion. Let me know what you think in the comments. I, I think it's just disgusting, man. Grooming is what the church does. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yes, churches most definitely do groom kids. That is exactly what they do. Every accusation is a confession. He recognizes that they come out of the closet but never ask why someone may be in the closet. Calls it shame instead of fear of their hatred. Yeah, absolutely. It's not shame. It's fear of their psychotic belief system, of their psychotic behavior. The white robe comments about the KKK. Oh, is it? Okay, that didn't make any sense to me. That's super weird. Interesting. Yeah, so in that context, I wouldn't be okay with somebody from the KKK reading to children either because, again, I ascribe to the social contract of tolerance. I am not tolerant of the intolerant. If the intolerant are intolerant, then it means that they don't ascribe to the social contract like I do. That's simple. Anyway, thanks for the uh, super chat there. Men in white robes reading to kids called priests. Yeah, I thought that too. I, I thought that he was talking about priests with the white robes and stuff too, but then he specifically mentioned Bible characters, so I didn't know. I used to be a young earth creationist, lol what. I apologize for all of this. Not your fault. Not your fault. You have nothing to apologize for, seriously. I was also, I was an old earth creationist, so I spread a lot of nonsense as well. And, you know, I went door knocking and trying to bring people into the faith the whole nine. And I almost brought people in, too. Almost. That close. Next, we're going to talk about evangelical TikTok and the problem they seem to have with atheists. It's kind of comical at this point. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. Hey gang, I just heard that the atheists are all upset because Christians have all of their holidays like Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving and the like, and uh, they're just all tore up about it because they don't have their own holiday. And I'm thinking, well, well let's give... Oh my God, dude, this guy, I love it to death. Okay, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in any of it. I'm not torn up over anything, dude, okay? I celebrate Christmas. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. All of your holidays got bad news for you, buddy. They're all secularized, okay? Every, everybody celebrates these. It's not one of those things where only Christians are allowed to celebrate this or that or whatever other thing. I can celebrate whatever the hell I want. That's the beauty of being what I am, of believing the way that I do. I'm not bound to any rules or restrictions or regulations or any of that stuff. I can do whatever. During Thanksgiving and the like. And uh, there's and wait a minute. And Thanksgiving? What, what does Thanksgiving have to do with Christianity? Nothing. That's not a Christian holiday. What the hell are you talking about? I've got to say, though, this, this mustache here, top tier. Top tier mustache. And uh, they're just all tore up about it because they... I'm not tore up about anything. ...don't have their own holiday. And I'm thinking, well, well, let's give them one. I suggest we give them um, April 1st. You know, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
Oh, interesting. April 1st. Very good. Actually, I'll tell you what I remember seeing in the Bible. That's Psalms 13.1, what he just quoted. Notice he didn't actually quote the Bible verse. I knew it better than he did, apparently. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Psalm 14.1. My mistake. Let's see. Right here in quotes, Psalms 14.1, there is no God. How about that? That's what the Bible says, actually, if you want to get technical. There is no God. No way to misinterpret that, huh? Right there in bold letters and quotes, that's what was said. There is no God. How about that? How do you reckon with that there, Mr. Uh, Mustache? Dude, I've been going through the most ridiculous Christian TikTokers on planet Earth. You wouldn't even believe it. It is ridiculous to the highest degree. Check this one out. This is another Christian TikToker who's very upset over pronouns and the fact that they exist. You guys, I just don't understand what all the uproar is about with Target distributing this pin. Okay, I don't even know if that's true. Satan respects pronouns. It's a picture of a goat. Did they distribute that pin? Is that true? Or is she just like lying? I get the impression she's just making this up. Who knows? This seems like a specialty item that you'd have to order from like the Church of Satan or something like that. Let's find out. Here you go. It's a Reuters article telling us if this is true or not. So we don't have to wonder. No need to wonder. Just loaded up our question gun. Let's go answer hunting. And here's our answer. Satan respects pronouns pin not sold at Target. You telling me that this random TikTok or this random Jesus freak lied to me? Knock me over with a feather. Target did not sell a pin that says Satan respects pronouns as part of its pride collection. Viral online posters are sharing a pin by a designer that did collaborate with the retail giant on other items. Okay, so the designer worked with Target on other stuff, but not that. And the designer did make that pin for some other person. So they're just a designer. You guys, I just don't understand what all the uproar is about with Target distributing these pins, a woman says sarcastically at the beginning of a TikTok video with over 46,000 likes. That's likes, okay? That's not views, that's likes. That's a lot. That's the one we're watching right here. The pin shows a purple-horned creature and the words Satan respects pronouns. Reuters reported that Target pulled some products from its Pride collection this week following a backlash from conservative consumers. Yeah, so this was written uh, May 26th. There was a big uproar back in May of 2023 over this. Anyway, let's keep listening. So this is just a straight-up lie is the point. Like, she's, she's lying. She has no idea what she's talking about. You guys, I just don't understand what all the uproar is about with Target distributing this pin. This was spot on. Satan will respect your pronouns because he is the author of lies and confusion. So just painful and stupid. Yes, this pin is 110% correct. Target, you absolutely nailed it. Okay, Target didn't sell it once again. The enemy does and will respect your pronouns because he hates you. And he knows that if you lived up to knowing your worth in Christ, you would be a threat to the enemy rather than his prey. Stay blessed, friends. Oh, God, it's painful, dude. If you lived up to knowing your worth in Christ, you would be a threat to the enemy. It's just painful. I can't stand it. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like the Reuters article said, 46,000 likes. To give you some context for how many views that is, let me just, I'm going to sort my view or sort my videos by views. So most viewed video, 1.27 million views. Okay. And it has 29,500 likes. So we're talking 2 million views maybe on this video. 
That's insane. And over how short of a span of time? Obscenely short span of time, certainly. It all happened at once with this. Let's watch some other Christian Nutter Butters, shall we? By the way, all these came out in May or June of 2023. Do you want to know why Christians are so susceptible to conspiracy theories? Tell me, why? It's because we've been trained to see an enemy that most of the world doesn't even believe exists. Yes, exactly. Thank you. And if you only knew what to look for, you would see him too. I bet, totally. If I only knew what to look for, darn it, I just can't see it. I mean, they're, they're this close to self-awareness. This close. Honestly sad. Come on. Come back to reality with the rest of us. So that was uh, one side of Christian extremist TikTok. And then there's the evangelical side. You've got your David Laddings. This isn't David Ladding. Oh, my God, dude. I've covered lots of David Ladding. This is David Ladding right here. This is from, uh, let's see... Actually, I'm not sure when this is from. 2021, I think, maybe? David, why are you so insane? David, why are you so crazy? Why do you take this Christian thing so far? You do too much. My friend, I care... He's literally crying right now. His eyes are beat red because he's been crying. I care more about my eternity than I do in this small little world. I'd rather take 80 years of suffering than have my eternity be suffering. And what if... Bear with me here. What if... There is no eternity afterward. I mean, th there's a possibility, right? Let's just say it's 1%. You don't have to suffer. Why are you suffering right now? You can just live your life and enjoy it and also be in good with God, honestly. I'm not crazy. Yes, yes, you are. I promise you I'm not. I'm thinking ahead. Are you? This is my last... Oh god, it's so painful. Message on TikTok, and, yet, and he's still crying. At this time, I am crying for all the people who comment that. And I'm crying because I'm worried about something, man. If I could give you one last piece of advice, is: Are you prepared? Are you prepared to meet Jesus Christ? Because you will meet him, and you'll know him here. And you will meet him, or you will know him after you're dead. And I pray you know him before you meet him. Okay, let me just tell you something about what he's doing right here. He may not even be aware of what he's doing. This is a propaganda technique. It's called appeal to fear, the appeal to fear propaganda technique. Uh, propaganda is commonly linked to logical fallacies, but not always. Okay, here's, uh, here is a brief description of the appeal to fear. Appeals to fear seek to build support by instilling anxieties and panic in the general population. For example, Joseph Goebbels, which was uh, Hitler's propaganda minister, exploited Theodore Kaufman's Germany must perish to claim that the Allies sought the extermination of the German people. You want to get them whipped into a blood frenzy. Do anything you can to scare them. Make them concerned about what you're talking about so that you're more likely to be invested in what they're saying. That's how you do it. Now, like I said, he may not even fully be aware that he's doing that, but that's what he's doing. He's using propaganda to try to pull people over. In reality... There is no evidence, in fact, there is evidence to the contrary, that God, the God that he believes in specifically, this hateful, vengeful God that wants you to burn forever, exists. I mean, look, we're not even talking about the possibility of God existing. Sure, let's talk about that, I suppose. Maybe so. That's a, that is a distinct possibility. Maybe God exists. Maybe Jesus was real. Maybe Allah is real. Like, who, who the hell knows? Maybe. But this very specific brand of Christian extremism is completely unviable and unhinged from what the Bible has to say. It doesn't represent the Bible at all. But okay, 
Go ahead. Suffer for 80 years if that's what you want to do, I suppose. How do you prepare yourself for that? Bro, then you got to repent. You got to actively live for Christ and not yourself. You got to have faith. You have to have faith. I personally, like, I know that he likes to have faith. Personally, I prefer to have his mom. With those two things. You'll know him before you meet him. Just painful. Okay, so anyways, that's the evangelical side of TikTok, and it is painful, dude. Oh, my God. Check this kid out. What if you knew Jesus was coming back in three days? More fear campaigns and propaganda techniques being used. I'll point them out as we go through. Check this out. What if you knew that Jesus was coming back in three days? Oh, check it out. This kid's name is a uh, TikTok handle is official Gabriel Storm. So this is the official account. He doesn't want you getting tricked and thinking that there's some other Gabriel Storm out there that's not really him. This is the official one. Okay. What if you knew that Jesus was coming back in three days? How would you spend those three days? Would you tell everyone you know about Jesus? Would you tell your school, your family, your friends, those people you don't even talk to? No, no, I wouldn't. You know why? Because there's absolutely no evidence that this is true. Now, if I had irrefutable, undeniable evidence, I would show that undeniable evidence to a few family members. That's it. You know what? I tried my best. I did everything that I could in this world. I used the brain that God gave me, allegedly, to come to the conclusions that I came to. And if he punishes me for those conclusions, he's the one that, that put me in that position now, isn't he? So yeah, I don't worry about it. If I found that out, I would take the steps necessary to whatever, but there's there is evidence against the possibility that this could happen. Would your social media be filled with Jesus? No, it would not. I would show the evidence to a few people. That's it. And it would have to be irrefutable. It'd have to be the th kind of thing I could pull out and show somebody and boom, just like that, I have a believer. But you have to use fear and uh, some of the other uh, propaganda techniques they use, appeals to prejudice, bandwagon effect, ad hominems, ad nauseums, agenda setting. They use as many propaganda techniques as possible. When I say they, I'm talking about evangelical TikTok, like this guy, like David Ladding. These people use as many propaganda techniques as they can to convince you that they're right when they have no evidence. They have nothing. They have no reason to believe this evangelical extremist version of Christianity that they believe. See, for those three days, people would say that kid is a Jesus freak. You yeah, they would. Live like a Jesus freak every day of the week. Rather, Jesus is coming back in three days or 300 years. Your life should be Jesus. Because, my friend, you don't know when Jesus is coming back. It could be in three seconds. It could be in 300 years. But Jesus is coming back. Okay, here's the thing about it. I don't know if you guys are aware of this story or not. I'll just lay it on you here. In the Old Testament, they referred to the prophesied Messiah, the one that was going to come and, you know, bring about the end and send all of the, the good people to heaven and correct all of the wrongs and all that stuff. They referred to him as the Son of Man. There were a couple of steps that needed to be taken before somebody could qualify as the Son of Man. For one thing, he needed to ride into town on a donkey. If you remember, that was one of them, right? He needed to take political control over Israel. 
And then he needed to spark Armageddon into being, basically. Well, Jesus never did any of that, except for riding into town on a donkey, and that one is easy to do. I'm sure a lot of people did it. Jesus was on his way toward being the Messiah, toward being the Son of Man, but he didn't actually fulfill his role. He didn't actually do the thing he needed to do to be the Son of Man, which is take political control of Israel. So when he died, his followers were like confused by this, like, what? He can't die. He's the Messiah. He needs to take political control over Israel. This makes absolutely no sense at all. So they said, he'll be back. He'll be back. Just wait. Just You'll see. He'll come back, even though there's no basis for that. There's no reason to think any of that. That was the only way that his followers could rationalize their belief system, which was now completely invalidated. It's like they just wasted half their life following this dude around who very obviously failed. He didn't do what he was supposed to have done. He didn't fulfill the role that you're supposed to have fulfilled. That's why they talk about Jesus coming back in the first place, because he didn't fulfill his role as the Messiah. He is not the Messiah until he comes back and takes political control over Israel as its leader and then sparks Armageddon into being. He is not the Messiah. You just think that he's going to be the Messiah. That's all. Jesus believers, Jesus followers, thought he would come back in their lifetime. They were watching for him. They were expecting him. And here we are. Let's see. It's uh, 10, 50. Yeah, 2,000 years later. 2,000 years. Still waiting. Jehovah's Witnesses are trained to believe that it's going to happen any five minutes now, which is the belief system I grew up in, of course. Living life like this is stressful and painful to a degree that I can't possibly express. I'm sure a lot of people out there know exactly what I'm talking about. How stressful it is to believe that Jesus will be here any five minutes now. 300 years, but Jesus is coming back. Start acting like you believe what you say you believe. Jesus is coming back. Your life is but a vapor. It could end just like that. that that's fair enough. It, it most definitely could. So, you know what I always say? YOLO. You only live once. Enjoy it while you're here. We only get one spin around. Don't burn up your days doing shit for other people. I mean, <laughs> I, let me rephrase. You should be doing things for other people. Don't burn it up doing it for other organizations like the Catholic Church or for the Pentecostal Church or for the whatever or for Jehovah's Witnesses. Do what you love. You know what I love? Being with my family, taking care of them, making sure that they have what they need. That's what I want to spend my life on this earth doing. And that's what I am doing. I'm not burning it up, spending what little money I have on communion or Catholic, whatever the hell. I don't know. What, 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 where they pass the plate around, the donation plate or whatever. I'm not spending my money on that. Now, this guy, actually, he, he doesn't seem Catholic to me. I would be willing to bet he's some form of Pentecostal. He probably identifies as non-denominational, but a lot of his beliefs are probably built on Pentecostalism. So, you know, the demon possession, exorcisms, and speaking in tongues and all that stuff. Devote your life to Jesus. I've, it's already devoted, baby. I devoted my life to your mother long and long ago, and she knows it, and I know it too, so sorry. Oh, you think we're done, don't you? No, we've got a couple more. Check this one out. Again, all of these are from uh, May or June 2023. Do you remember the story in the Bible where Jesus cursed a fig tree? 
I do. I do remember that story, yes. Jesus was walking past a fig tree, and he was super hungry, and so he was trying to get a fig and found that there were no figs on this tree, and that miffed him so heckin' much that he touched the tree, basically, and killed it. He killed the tree because it wasn't bearing any fruit. That was Jesus being vengeful. What a bizarre story, right? I, I don't even think that it died immediately. It was like he touched it, and he said, okay, it's dead, and then walked away, and then, like, the next day or a few days later or something. I don't even remember this story. Maybe this is wrong. Somebody went up and noticed that the tree was dying. Something to that effect. Someone correct me in the comments if that's wrong. I have a palm tree here. But he cursed a fig tree because it wasn't bearing any fruit. Well, after he did that, it looked like nothing changed. There's no... Dude, wh why is her voice so high-pitched? I don't think I've ever heard a voice this high-pitched in a human adult before. That is... That is incredible like nothing changed there's no evidence anything's changing right yeah jesus touched it and nothing happened well the next day jesus and the disciples walked past the tree and they saw the tree was withered up peter said look jesus he was shocked that it actually worked well here's my point they didn't think anything happened but in the unseen realm the moment jesus spoke things began to change two verses later jesus says when you pray believe you receive so I want you to know that when you speak to your dreams, just like Jesus spoke to that tree, in the spirit realm, things have shifted. That's simply not true. That's a lie, a blatant, bold-faced lie. People pray for their children to make it through when they're in the hospital, and then they die. You can say all you want that Jesus answers the, everybody's prayers. That's just not how it works at all. People die. People lose their car keys and they never find them. People go hungry. I mean, there is so much suffering in the world that either God is incapable of fixing it, because trust me, there's, there are a lot of people praying for these others to be fed and cured and whatever. Either God doesn't care, in which case he's evil, or he's not powerful enough to fix it, in which case he's not all-powerful. Either he's not all good or he's not all powerful, impotent or evil. It has to be one of the two. What she's doing right now is just a, a flat-out lie. And it's designed, this is another propaganda technique, like, like I was talking about earlier. It's designed and intended to get people emotionally invested in what's happening. Is there something that you want, something you need? God can and will provide it. You may not see it immediately, but it will happen. You know that my grandfather on my mom's side had a baby. His first child, firstborn, was a boy, and he named it after himself. And the kid made it to, I think, two years old. My grandpa changing his diaper. I don't know. It may have been like six months old. I'm not even sure now. This is a long, long time ago. My grandpa changing his diapers, rocking him to sleep, you know, taking care of him, feeding him, doing all this stuff for his firstborn child. Until one day his firstborn child got pneumonia. They brought him to the hospital and he died. My grandfather was a Sunday school teacher at that moment. And he asked the preacher at the church, why would God let this happen? And you know the preacher's answer? God needed another angel in heaven. That is the wrong answer to give to somebody who is grieving the loss of a child. It's a quick way to create an atheist, which, by the way, is exactly what happened to my grandpa. He professed to be an atheist from that moment on for the rest of his life. 
Sunday school teacher to atheist, just like that. God does not answer prayers. Let me, let me rephrase. God answers prayers at roughly the rate of random chance. This has been studied. People go to cancer wards, and we bring priests in, and we pray over the people, and we have a control group and everything, and we study it to see if God saves more cancer patients that are prayed for than the ones that are not prayed for. And you know what happened with that specific study that I'm talking about? The people that knew they were being prayed for had worse outcomes because they believed that God was going to fix them and there was more pressure on them to get better, which stressed them out, which made them worse, which, you know, in invariably decreased their chances of survival. The group that didn't know they were being prayed for but were being prayed for were absolutely no different than the group that wasn't being prayed for at all. That's what we found. So ultimately, to answer the question, is God operating in some unseen realm or whatever? I mean, you can believe that if you want, but we have evidence that that's simply not taking place. Maybe God created the earth and stepped away for a while and he'll come back and he'll help his creatures or whatever. I don't know. But he's not going to help you find your car keys and he's not going to help you cure your cancer. I'm sorry. I don't like it any more than you do, honestly. Believe you receive. So I want you to know that when you speak to your dreams, just like Jesus spoke to that tree, in the spirit realm, things have shifted. Your dreams are headed your way. Just absurd and embarrassing. And she's headed toward televangelism, honestly. I can't believe she is. she a televangelist already? Let me see if I can look her picture up and uh, find out who she is. Let's see. Give me a second. I'm just going to try to capture her, her face here. Who is this person? It, she doesn't have a TikTok name on the side, so I'm guessing that she's a televangelist of some sort, Because and somebody just copied this from TV or something. I have no idea who this is. Maybe she's not a televangelist yet, but she's on her way there. She's trying, seems to me. Anyways, yeah, these people are just painful, dude. It's just painful and embarrassing. And it's honestly fascinating to watch their propaganda techniques at work. I mean, like I said, we can go through this whole list here of propaganda techniques and point out every single one of them. We find them through all of these videos. No joke. These people are all using propaganda techniques. If this is real, you shouldn't have to use propaganda. Why are you manipulating logical fallacies to your own ends? That makes absolutely no sense. These people are ridiculous, except for their mustache. They're this guy here, this mustache. Wicked mustache, man. I've got to tell you, it makes up for anything bad he said, honestly. Uh, let me know what you think in the comments. Next, we're going to talk about the death of a prominent QAnon leader, the leader of the negative 48 QAnon denomination. They don't really know what to do with themselves now. Let's talk about it. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon, and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. QAnon just lost one of their main leaders. This is a pretty big deal. Guy's name was Michael Brian Protzman. Now, you could be forgiven for not recognizing the name. He's not extremely well-known, except for in QAnon circles. But let me show you who this guy was and the influence that he had on the movement, and then we're going to talk about his death. First, let's talk about the fact that QAnon has denominations. You may be unaware of this. 
there are different denominations of QAnon, just like there are different denominations of Christianity. Now, the one we're talking about right now is called Negative 48. I'll tell you how they got their name in a minute. But we've got a variety of other denominations, like Ramana Dedulo's cult. That's, a, that's QAnon-based. And we've got Negative 48, of course. There are a bunch of different groups, and they all have different beliefs. Some of those groups focus heavily on, you know, vaccines and how evil they are. Some of them focus in on certain specific conspiracy theories, and they're largely split up by the public influencer that kind of talks about it in the first place. So Ramana Dedulo's cult believes that she is a, a space alien known as an Arcturian. It, she's like a lizard person, but she's a good lizard person that's working for us, right? Working against the deep state, which is made up of other lizard people. That's Ramana Dedulo's. It doesn't have a specific name. It's just named after who the leader of it was. Well, Negative 48 does have a specific name, and it was led by Michael Brian Prosman. So Negative 48 gets its name from something called Gematria. It's this old Jewish tradition of taking letters and assigning numbers to them. This is originally done in Hebrew, which has a different number of letters in it. So it's not really exactly the same in English, but A is 1, B is 2, C is 3, and you just add it up until you get a final number, and that number is, you know, used to whatever. I mean, it's, it's usually, Gamatria is used to be a little cute puzzle for some moral statement. You know, you've got a number on one side, and you've got some of the letters on the other side for a bar mitzvah boy. Again, this is a Jewish tradition. And the bar mitzvah boy tries to work out what the puzzle is, and it's some just not nice moral statement. That's how Gamatria was originally used. But QAnon picked up on Gamatria and believed that it was like being used as secret code by the leaders of the deep state, because, of course, the leaders of the deep state are Jewish, right? In their minds, at the very least. There's a famous pastor named Mark Taylor. He is known as the firefighter prophet. He's extremely famous because... He's known as one of the people that prophesied, quote-unquote, Donald Trump's rise in politics. It's just absurd. Anyway, he goes on something called the Erskine Radio Show, and they do a gematria. This is uh, November 2020, so it was basically nine months after COVID started being taken seriously in the United States. Listen to how they do this gematria about COVID. Who you're about to hear do the gematria is Erskine. You'll, you should recognize Mark Taylor's voice at the very end. Now, if you go with Corona, C-O-R-O-N-A, six letters. C is the number third letter in the alphabet. O is the 15th letter. R is the 18th. O is the 15th. N is the 14th. A is the first. Six letters in Corona. Those other numbers add up to 66, 666 a cult-driven script, and a Luciferian human sacrifice, a mega-ritual. This is what Satan uses, and that's it, 666, Corona. Is that coincidence? I don't buy coincidence, do you? Nope. Okay, anyway, so they did a gematria, basically, on Corona and came up with a number. That's how it works. You, you get the idea. Well, anyways, 48, if you work out the gematria... On 48, you'll find that the word evil, E-V-I-L, adds up to 48 in the English language. And these people are negative 48, so they're 
the opposite of evil. They're fighting evil. They are good. That's the idea. Kind of a kind of an interesting name, I suppose. Anyways, listen to this follower of the Negative 48 cult talk about Michael Brian Protzman, who just died recently. Again, this is late April 2022, and it's at a Trump rally. Negative 48 follows Trump rallies on the road. Like, they go to every one of them. Tell us about it. What is what is Negative 48? Okay, well, Negative 48 is Michael Brian Protzman. Notice Michael Brian Protzman? He is teaching gematria. It's gematria. Michael Jackson sang about it. A, B, C, easiest one, two, three. No, that was just an easy rhyme. It wasn't Michael Jackson singing about gematria. Oh, my God, dude. And so what, what is gematria exactly? A, B, C, one, two, three. A being one and Z being 26. So Michael Jackson, was he part of negative 48? No, but he is... Uh, you keep saying is. Is he... Is he... He's alive, brother. Michael Jackson's not dead. Michael Jackson is alive. Yes. And that's what makes this group so famous right there. They believe that all of these people are secretly alive. Michael Jackson and all of these others. Matter of fact, you may remember this from forever ago if you've been paying attention, but early November 2021, a QAnon group, that's who these people are, stood on the grassy knoll where JFK was shot to wait for his son, JFK Jr., to appear. Okay, JFK Jr., if you're unaware, died in a plane crash in 1994. Dude's been dead for 20, 30-something years, okay? And here we are. Look, you can even see QAnon shirts in this crowd. Look, an American flag. Look, Q, you see this guy's shirt right here, an American flag with a Q cut out? They are literally standing there waiting for JFK Jr. to show up so that he can run as Trump's vice president. That's negative 48. That wasn't just any old QAnon group. That was negative 48, started by none other than Michael Brian Protzman. Anyways, yeah, so these people are absolutely obsessed with the idea that people are actually alive who are very obviously dead. Michael Jackson, for one. JFK Jr. for another. He faked his death by pretending to be in a plane crash, really? It's just absurd on every level, man. Like, you've got to be so far gone to believe some of this stuff, honestly. Michael Jackson is alive. Yes. Absolutely. Dude, I honestly love his sunglasses, though. Look at this dude's sunglasses. Those are on point, right? I need a pair of those. Okay, let, let's bring, no, 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 let's no, no, bring no. him back back here for a second. JFK who, who do you think? <laughs> really? JFK Jr., see? That's what I was talking about. He was on... He was probably on the grassy knoll with those people from earlier, watching and waiting for JFK Jr. to show up to run as Trump's vice president. He was resurrected four days later as Jesus Christ, just like Wait, Lazarus. Yeah, bro, JFK deep, was man. resurrected as Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he- it's not a joke. It's not a troll. I know he's got the, the sunglasses that make it seem like a troll. It's real. Okay, these people really buy this stuff. He is your president. And Junior is your vice president as we speak. As we speak right now, JFK Sr. is president and JFK Jr. is vice president. Absolutely. It's not a joke, guys. I'm telling you. These people really buy this stuff. They buy it enough to stand on the grassy knoll and wait for the dude to show up. Dude that's been dead for 30 years. No joke. You've got to really believe it to do something like that, right? That is 
insane. Oh, shout out to my boys at Sonic. Love Sonic. See the cup there? Uh, not that they're a sponsor. They're not. I just really like Sonic. And since I moved to uh, New York City, there isn't a Sonic drive-in to be found anywhere in Manhattan. I have to go all the way to Queens for that. And it's not easy to to reach that area. But I do it. You know, for Sonic, I'll do it. I love Sonic. Anyway, these people need help, man. I'm telling you. So anyway, Michael Brian Protzman. I'm done burying the lead. Let's get to it. Leader of JFK Jr. obsessed QAnon cult dies after dirt bike accident. Michael Brian Protzman is dead. This is an article written on Rolling Stone on July 6, 2023. Let's give it a read. On November 2021... Hundreds of QAnon's most ardent believers gathered at Dallas, Texas, Dealey Plaza to await their dramatic return of John F. Kennedy Jr., who died in a tragic plane crash at Martha's Vineyard more than two decades ago. Yeah, that's what we were watching here. That's this event right here. That's what they're talking about. As the crowd waited at the same spot where his father, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated in 1963, no grand reemergence took place. They all just had to go home. Leading the flock of conspiracy theorists to Dallas was Michael Brian Protzman, a QAnon influencer who believed the Kennedy family were the descendants of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's not actually an uncommon belief within QAnon, although it doesn't focus as heavily on the Kennedy family. Uh, QAnon as a whole focuses more on the founding fathers being the descendants of Jews, basically. Not of Jesus, but of Jews, which would make them, you know, if they were descendants of Jesus, then they'd be Jewish because, of course, Jesus was Jewish. But did Jesus even have any children? I don't remember the Bible saying anything about his children. So how could they be descendants of Jesus? Anyways, the belief within most QAnon circles is that one of the tribes of Judah, there were like 12 or maybe 13 tribes of, of the Jews, the sons of Levi, the sons of Reuben, the sons of Asher, the sons of Judah. You know, there were a bunch of different um, tribes and they were listed in the Bible a couple different times. Well, anyway, the belief among most QAnon adherents is that one of those tribes of Israel traveled up over the Caucasus Mountains into Russia and over the land bridge into North America. You know what? I'm not even going to bother explaining it. Let's just listen to a full-blown QAnoner explain it for me. Again, this basically routes back to Donald Trump being the Messiah. So that's what I'm describing right now. This is Trump pastor Shane Vaughn on screen here. He believes that Trump is the Messiah. He is the second coming of Jesus, basically, in, you know, in a nutshell. It's a lot more complicated. Just let me give you a little taste of what he believes here. And I'll do it real fast. At one time, they were one nation. Talking about Israel. King Solomon died. King Jeroboam, King Rehoboam. There was a split. The Jews, the tribe of Judah. Okay, the Jews are not the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah was one of the tribes of, of Israel, of the Jews. In old Israeli culture, the different tribes of Israel handled different things like the Levites were the treasurers and stuff like that. The tribe of Judah was just one group. Stayed in Jerusalem. Uh-huh. They kept the Sabbath. That's why they're still identifiable. They kept the Sabbath. That kept them identifiable for these thousands of years. However, there was 10 tribes that went to the north with King Rehoboam. And- he thinks 10 tribes of Israel went to the north over the Caucasus Mountains. 
So the vast majority of Jews left Israel and went over the Caucasus Mountains, okay? By the way, Caucasus Mountains are near Russia, if you didn't know. In rebellion, those tribes crossed over the Caucasian Mountains. They were captivated by the Germans. They crossed over the Caucasus... Oh, are we out of time? Oh, anyway. So they crossed over, I'll make it real quick, where they wound up at was the Great British Isles. Because the Great British Isles. So they, they went over the Caucasus uh, Mountains and went to the Great British Isles. That's the belief system. The prophecy was that they would go mm -hmm. to the Isles of the Sea. And from there, we find those tribes making their way to the United States Thanks. of America. So he thinks that they made their way to America and then became the Founding Fathers. George Washington was Jewish, and he knelt in front of where the Twin Towers once stood and you know, came into covenant with God between America and God, which made America new Israel, thus making in the Old Testament one of the requirements for the Messiah, for somebody to be the Messiah like Jesus, was that they take political control of Israel. They become the political leader and then they spark Armageddon into being. Now, Jesus never did that. Obviously, he died first and that didn't make any sense to his followers, you know, like you can't die. You have to become the leader of Israel before any of this happens. So they said, he'll be back. He'll be back. We'll just wait. He'll he'll come back and, you know, he'll take control of Israel and then spark Armageddon. That was the explanation. Well, QAnon and, of course, Shane Vaughn here came to the conclusion that America is new Israel. And Donald Trump did take political control as the president of new Israel. And, of course, believing that the Founding Fathers were Jewish, they think that Donald Trump is Jewish, too, thus making him the second coming of Jesus. But he needs a second term before he can spark Armageddon into being. That's the belief of QAnon, basically, in a nutshell. I mean, it, you know, it's very complex and twisty, turny and windy and confusing, but that's basically the idea behind it. So back to the article it says leading the flock of conspiracy theorists to Dallas was Michael Brian Protzman, a QAnon influencer who believed the Kennedy family were the descendants of Jesus Christ. Again, most QAnoners believe that the founding fathers and just about every leader of America has been Jewish to some degree. They've all been capable of being one of the, you know, messiahs or whatever. He'd used a convoluted mix of gematria, numerology, and QAnon's own post to convince followers that the famed family was preparing to retake power and save the nation with his help. The Kennedys' failure to return from the dead didn't dissuade Protzman, who continued to espouse increasingly convoluted versions of his conspiracy until last week, when a motocross accident claimed his life. Again, this Dallas, Texas thing where they showed up on the grassy knoll, this happened early November 2021. Negative 48 continued to exist long after that failed prediction. Late April 2022 is when this guy was talking about Michael Brian Protzman and the belief in all that stuff. Negative 48 exists to this day. Again, they're in every Trump rally. They're right at the front there, representing. According to a medical report obtained by Vice, I thought Vice went bankrupt recently. Protzman died last Friday at the Meadow Valley Motocross track in Millville, Minnesota. The report states that Protzman suffered multiple blunt force injuries after losing control of a dirt bike. That's sad, man. I'm sorry. I don't like to see anybody die. I, I don't I feel like suffering at all by anybody to any degree is a bad thing. I, I'm sorry. I don't wish death on anybody. 
Despite Protzman's untimely demise, his followers remain committed to the Kennedy comeback he prophesied, and according to Vice, conspiracy theories are already swirling around his death. By the way, this is uh, unrelated, but did you know that Vice was created by the same guy that started the Proud Boys? Really, Gavin McGinnis is the guy's name. He started Vice and the Proud Boys both. Isn't that crazy? I mean, this is a total aside. I apologize for taking a detour here, but I just find this really interesting. This is the founder of Vice News. Again, Vice News is like much more, you know, center left now. This guy is about as far right as it gets. He's got a problem with Jews and he's got a problem with the, you know, the black community and everybody out there who's not a white, straight, cis, Christian male, basically. But he's talking to Kanye West here. This is from early December 2022 after Kanye West announced his run for president. Uh, this sort of ethnomasochistic cultural suicide tend not really to be Jewish. I call them ginos, Jews in name only. It's liberal elite white. What a terrible name. Please don't don't use that name for them. It's Jews in name only. It's liberal elite whites you should have a beef with. Yeah, but I lump them all in together. That's what I did. That's how, OK, that's, that's why good. The, that's why the tweet said. This is uh, Kanye West, by the way. He he considers himself an anti-Semitic person now. He doesn't like Jews. Uh, Kanye West doesn't. Tweet said that Jewish people. OK. But this trait, like, you know, blacks are overrepresented in violent crime. But when you meet an individual black person, you don't apply that. You start with a fresh slate every time you meet someone. Do you do that with Jews? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, these people are all, every single one, everybody at this table is a Nazi. Everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. Self-avowed. Actually, uh, this is Nick Fuentes. He's a Nazi. He calls himself a Nazi, a Hitler lover. He celebrates Hitler's birthday, that kind of thing. Kanye West, Nazi, self-avowed Nazi. Now, this guy right here, Gavin McGinnis, I guess it's debatable as to whether or not he adheres to the Nazi ideology. But he's, you know, he started the Proud Boys. He's basically a Nazi for the most part. Anyways, the, that was a quick aside. I apologize for that. I, I thought it was fascinating that that guy started Vice News. Um he, of course, he was removed from Vice News eventually, so it has no influence over it. I just thought it was interesting. Anyway, let's keep reading about uh, Protzman here. Despite Protzman's untimely demise, his followers remain committed to the Kennedy comeback he prophesied, and according to Vice, conspiracy theories are already swirling around his death. Protzman managed to convince thousands that Kennedys would return in order to help Trump purge the nation of a cabal of satanic... I'm going to have to censor that out. Sorry, guys. And the devoted group of followers remained with him in Dallas weeks after the failed revival. So they, these people traveled to Dallas. This isn't like, what we're looking at here right now is not just locals showing up expecting something. This is people who traveled here from elsewhere. That's crazy. A woman named Katie Garner previously told Rolling Stone that her sister had abandoned her children and husband to join Protzman in Texas. A previous report from Vice found that members of Prosman's circles were making massive financial contributions to his project, including one man who dumped the entirety of his retirement savings into funding his stay in Dallas. How sad is that, man? How sad is that? Put everything into it. Much like the proliferation of QAnon, it's clear that the failure of predictions to become reality is not enough to dissuade the truly devout from their beliefs, and misfires can be folded into the latest system update. Shelley Mullinax, one of Protzman's early devotees, 
who maintains her conviction that the Kennedys will return despite a strained relationship with the cult leader, told Vice that she believed the real Protzman, who is secretly JFK Jr., in a very realistic mask, was alive, and that only the evil version of him had died. These people are gone, guys. They are gone. Their minds are, are shot to sh at this point. They are gone. While Protzman's beliefs register on the more absurdist end of the conspiracy spectrum, conspiratorial thinking has become a default mechanism for sowing distrust in politics. While JFK Jr. is not returning from the dead anytime soon, Trump's return to power is the ultimate goal for believers. Prosman was a staple at Trump rallies, where the former president regularly makes thinly veiled callouts to QAnon's presence in his base. Oh, they, he even played the QAnon song that they have claimed as their own, or somebody wrote for them or something, I don't remember. Yeah, Trump totally calls out to QAnon, like, all the time. There's that famous one where he talked about the storm. If you don't know about the storm, the storm is like uh, QAnon's end times prediction, if you will. It's not end times exactly. It's where they believe that all of the bad people in government are going to be like arrested and taken in and the deep state will be destroyed and the military takes over and installs Trump as the dictator and all that other garbage. Donald Trump famously shouted out to QAnon all the way back in 2017 when it was forming by doing a little photo op here, called the, the White House press in to photograph everybody and then this happens again 2017 october 6 2017 listen to this one you guys know what this represents tell us sir. maybe it's the calm before the storm do you catch that the calm before the storm that's a QAnon phrase that's a QAnon term the storm could be the calm before the storm what storm is the president you'll find out you'll find out so trump has always known what QAnon was and he's always, always, always shouted out to him. Anyway, so it says here, Prosman was a staple at Trump rallies where the former president regularly makes thinly veiled callouts to QAnon's presence in his base. In the world of Q, no claim is too ridiculous, no theory too unfounded, so long as someone is willing to believe it. Absolutely. So, uh, yep, Michael Brian Prosman, gone, leader of Negative 48. Like I said, I don't like to see anybody hurt or die. That, uh, that's not my goal. I wish that everybody could survive and thrive and be happy. I just wish this guy was better in life, honestly. Sad. So anyways, yeah, let me know what you think about it in the comments. Absolutely absurd. Absolutely crazy to me. I wonder where negative 48 goes from here. That's all I've got for you. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check me out on Patreon. And take a look at my YouTube channels. Owen Morgan, where I talk about religious issues. Telltale Fireside Chat, where I talk about politics. Telltale Unfiltered, where I do long-form breakdowns of stuff like this. And Telltale Reads, where I read books by televangelists and others. I release everything in parts, but every part stands independently of the last. So you can jump in anywhere and I'll make sure it makes sense. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of all my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything. All links are in the description. Okay, thanks for watching, guys.